You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on week seven on the Locked On College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter, Pat Sports Guy. Got my man, Big Ten, Ben Stevens. And uh, as always, customary in every episode, got Colin Wilson joining us from the Action Network to help us get ready for our games this weekend. Not as great a slate as we've seen in weeks past, but there's still plenty of good football to talk about. Uh, Colin, thanks for once again joining the Lockdown College Football Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's one of those kinds of weekends where, like, the main course is, like, primo filet uh, and side dishes or, like, mashed potatoes from KFC. So it's uh, it's just one of those kinds of weekends. And, and you know, with all the cancellations going on, uh, it even puts more emphasis on how great this Georgia-Alabama game is going to be. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a top game, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a second. I kind of, though, I felt like we need to start off the show talking about BYU versus Houston. You know, it's our obligatory uh, Brigham Young game of the week. Houston playing their second game this year. Uh, the line that I'm seeing is, is minus 5, 62.5 on the over-under. Where are you looking at on this game and Zach Wilson leading the charge? Yeah, this is uh, some travel here for BYU. I believe I read this is the first time that – I should not say the Cougars because they're both Cougars, but this is the first time that BYU is going to play with an audience. Uh, so this will be the first time that they've heard a crowd. Uh, that maybe have a little bit of effect on Zach Wilson on some play calling. Uh, so I, I really kind of taken that in the back of my head. But this is one of those things where you watch Houston play against Tulane and that's just who they are. I'm going to spot you 21 points on turnovers, and then I'm going to beat you down with explosive play and speed. And, you know, BYU is a very stable team. We have a very stable team versus a very volatile team. And I think when it comes down to it, you have to ask yourself, can BYU limit the explosiveness of Houston, of Marquez Stevenson, of, you know, all the players that they have for Clayton Toon to throw to? Uh, At the end of the day, I don't think BYU, they haven't seen anything like this offensive attack whatsoever. Houston's front seven was good at stuffing the run against Tulane. Tulane's actually a decent running team. Uh, I'm going with Houston and the points here. There's some concern coming out that there's some COVID going around with Houston. Uh, That's why you saw the line get all the way down to three and pop back up to five. It's unspecified who those players are. Uh, If Clayton Toon is going, if Marquez Stevenson is going, then that's enough for, you know, to take out a little bit of money and put it on Houston. I really like them with the points. It is a solid group of five weekend that was going to be only better with Cincinnati and Tulsa, but that one of the postponements from this weekend, four in total postponed for week seven of college football. But let's focus on the big game, the nightcap, the filet, 42-ounce, whatever you want to call it, with a butter steak. That is what we have Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the second-ranked Tide hosting the Bulldogs, number three, Georgia. The spread that I see, Colin, Bama, a four-point favorite, the over-under total, 56-and-a-half. What do you like in the game between the Tide and the Bulldogs? Yeah, this was uh, – the line was actually pretty surprising to me. I put out a Twitter poll at underscore Colin1. You know, what do you think the opener is going to be? Is it going to be two-and-a-half or three or four? Uh, amazingly enough, this thing came out above four and took a whole bunch of steam up to six and a half. Lots of early money backing Alabama in this. You see Nick Saban 
contracts COVID. Uh, it's, you know, as of today, as of right now, as of this recording, he's still under protocol, SEC protocol for, you know, staying at home, keeping socially distant. Uh, we don't know if they're going to put him in one of those lifts and hang him over the field or if you guys are fans, they hung Chris Jericho over some wrestling rings sometimes. But, <laughs> I mean, all indications is that Saban won't be there. And you saw that correction in the point spread where it went down two and a half points down uh, to four in some places. And, you know, that's really correct because when you think of Urban Meyer uh, two years ago, he was suspended for the first three games of the season. And that number corrected itself by two points in all of their futures in their in their game in their week one. So, uh, you know, as far as Saban is concerned, uh, you know, what side of the ball does that affect the most? And I think that's the handicap that we have to take here because the number's sharp. I make it three and a half. The number's sharp. And I think what we have to do is look at the coordinators because they, you know, for the first time in a long time, Alabama actually has the same two coordinators they had last year. I don't think it affects the offense whatsoever. Steve Sarkeesian, right. I mean, there's not been a drop-off from Jalen Hurts. There's not been a drop-off from Tua. Uh, Mac Jones has been unbelievably good in the advanced numbers this year. And to the eyeball test, you just watch him. He can hit anybody uh, at any time. I don't think Sark needs help from Nick Saban and play calling uh, whatsoever. And so that really comes down to Pete Golding, which is a defensive coordinator. And Pete Golding was under fire from the Alabama fan base last year and the media. I mean, Paul Feinbaum tore him a new one in May about a lack of communication. Some players that went into the NFL draft uh, claimed that Pete Golding just, you know, getting the play calls in, lining up the secondary, uh, defensive alignments were bad. And that shows in the advanced stats because Alabama hasn't been able to defend the rush very well the last couple of years their linebackers are consistently hurt and consistently lined up in the wrong place. And if you look at it this year, Dylan Moses is back at linebacker. He's the captain of the defense. So right. we may be lined up in the right place, but the, the Bama defense is uh, secondary specifically is getting torched. Uh, they're getting torched by teams and it's terrible tackling, terrible angles. And, you know, when I look at that, that makes me want to take Georgia. I mean, Georgia's not the best offense in the world, but they're at least doing some things that, you know, you can hang your hat on and, and, and bet some money on, uh, you know, their top, you know, 15 and success rate. they actually have some explosive running, some explosive passing, um, you know, defensive wise, uh, you know, they're, they've actually learned to create some havoc. So they may be able to get some pressure on Mac Jones. They may be able to pick them off. Uh, that was the biggest problem with the Georgia defense. So I think what we're going to have is a problem with Alabama on defense and how do you, make a team that lines up incorrectly and force them to make mistakes, you go up tempo. And that's exactly what Lane Kiffin did. Now, Mark comes up beginning of this week and he says, I'm not Lane Kiffin. We're not Lane Kiffin. We're not going up tempo, but up tempo does cause sloppiness, sloppy, sloppy play, bad fundamentals comes from up tempo. And that's how you beat Alabama is sustaining drives and making them play sloppy. I think Kirby didn't want to tell us, but I think Stetson Bennett is going to go up-tempo and they're going to catch Alabama off guard and they're going to be able to keep score with them. I like the over. I think the, you know, I think 56, I think it's going to sit there. There's a lot of people that are on the under in this game that believe that the Georgia defense is going to be able to contain Alabama. I don't think anybody can contain the Alabama offense. They have, I, there's a stat called, I'll leave it at this. There's a stat called available yards. So if I line up at this 30 yard line, I have 70 yards to go. That's 70 available yards. Last week against Ole Miss, Alabama achieved 91% of their available yards. One of the most unbelievable stats I've ever seen. Two games before that, uh, they achieved 66% of their available yards. So 
I'm taking the over here. I, I don't. I, I think the Alabama defense offense can be slowed, but I don't think it can be stopped from scoring. I think Georgia's going to try to force the Alabama defense to make mistakes with up tempo. To me, that leads to a lot of points. All right, so let's let's dive right on in it then, Colin. Let's get your lock on lock of the week. Which game are you going with, and where am I putting my money? As ugly as it was last week, let's go with Mississippi State. And I know that oh. that's going to be hard. Yeah, that's going to be hard for a lot of people to swallow that pill. But let's talk about Mississippi State, why they beat LSU's because LSU lined up in man and didn't run zone. They didn't have three linemen and drop eight. And that's what Arkansas did. Uh, and that's what Kentucky did. And Mississippi State had some of the worst luck uh, on the goal line. So put that all aside, Texas A&M's defense is not built to defend the air raid. They are a four, two, five. And when I say four, two, five, concentrate on the two. They have three linebackers that weigh 240 pounds or more. They're built to stop the rush defense. They are hosses built to stop the run. They're not particularly good in pass defense whatsoever. So what's Mike Elko going to do as a defensive coordinator for Mississippi state? Is he going to change the entire scheme and go to a three, three, five and have some rush, edges and drop eight guys or is he going to stick with his four two five and let his linebackers who are huge linebackers not fast get beat on the under route and on the over route by kj costello i think it's a really bad matchup for the AMD, and i'm going to go with mississippi state texas a&m did pull the upset over florida last week but they still gave up 38 points to the gators in doing so and people have said this is the most mike leach thing ever the pirate he comes out and upsets the defending national champion lsu tigers and then he puts out clunkers two points against kentucky the air raid no the most mike leach thing ever would to be these final two performances and then to come back and pull the upset over texas a&m that is what the Pirate does, and that is what the SEC might experience on Saturday. So Colin Wilson's locked on lock of the week, riding with Mississippi State and Mike Leach. They figure it out. K.J. Costello and that high-powered offense gets back to where they need to be. Colin Wilson, thank you very much for your time. Action Network breaking everything down that you need to know to get you set for week seven of the college football season. Colin, until we talk next Friday. Thanks for having me, guys. You know, when it comes to betting on these games, getting ready for these games, there's always that wall to get through. Is it, is it physical? Is it mental? Is it trying to get up for these games? Is it you just don't have the energy to get up for these games? There's one great thing to do, and that is go to builtgo.com. Use that promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your order. It is fantastic. Whether, whether you have that mental or physical wall, this is your way to break through. It gives you energy. It's natural. And you don't have that crash that you get that three o'clock feeling. You got to check it out with all the different flavors. And I know my man right here, Ben Stevens, he knows all about trying to break through a wall. Listen, you talk about a mental wall. I am in one right now. I'm in a dark place. My locked on locks here on the locked on college football show. Oh, in five, five weeks we've been doing this and I haven't been right either time yet so that's why i upped my intake of built go for this week so i know i can break through that wall and finally get my first w for the locked on lock of the week that's coming up later in the podcast but i know that when i went to builtgo.com use the promo code locked l-o-c-k-e-d for 20 percent off i was able to up my ante and also save money doing so it's a great deal out there and built go is the best way to do it be the best you that you can be with Built Go. So again, go to BuiltGo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off. Built Go. Let's go. 
All right, so we got our locked on lock of the week out of the way with Colin going with the Pirates from Mississippi State. But we're going to kick it to an area I know very well. We're going to kick it off the Big 12. There's only one game this week. It's not much of a game. No, West Virginia, Kansas. You know, Jared Dagey, Neil Brown's offense against a Kansas football team that is averaging over 16 missed tackles a game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going West Virginia in this big time. The, the line with bad MGM is 22 and a half yeah. over under 51 and a half. Can West Virginia do that 51 and a half by themselves? They might be able to, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over in this one, or I'm sorry, I'm gonna take the line in this one, and I'm gonna take the Mountaineers in West Morgantown. Here is my only thought on this game. It is Fox's big noon kickoff. It is the only Big 12 game that they can put in that slot. To think that we go from that Saturday, October 17th, Kansas and West Virginia, to the following Saturday, the start of the Big 10 football season, and we get Ohio State and Nebraska in that big noon kickoff slot, that is called the upgrade of all upgrades. College football misses the Big Ten dearly, but don't you worry, folks. We here in Big Ten country, that's right, Big Ten Ben speaking on behalf of the Big Ten community, we are back starting next weekend. Monday is the official start of the Big Ten football season. It is game week, Patrick Con. I don't even care about Kansas, West Virginia. I'm just fired up for the Big Ten season to get underway next Friday night, Illinois and Wisconsin. Woo! Well, you know, you know, it's interesting about that. You talk about going from this game – to, you know, Scott Frost gets gets his uh, wish, right? He's like, we just want to play. We don't care who. And he gets Ryan Day in Ohio State in a high-powered offense. But it's it's such a drop-off even before that because last noon kickoff, mm. you had the quadruple overtime thriller between Texas, Oklahoma, and then you go to this. Unfortunately, we won't get to see Baylor, Oklahoma State, which I was looking really forward to. Let's talk about some other games. I know you're a big group of five guys. Huge group of five weekend. What's your group of five pick this week? What game are you looking for? So there's a couple. We talked about BYU and Houston on Friday night. That's a 9.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff on tonight on ESPN. Colin liked the Cougars of Houston. I like the Cougars of BYU. I still believe in Zach Wilson. I believe in Tyler Algier. I think this is BYU's toughest test yet. Last week, they looked a little bit shakier than we've seen so far, only winning by a touchdown 27-20 against Texas San Antonio. But I expect this game to be high scoring. BYU, a five-point favorite, as you mentioned, with calling the over-under 62.5. My heart can just not bet against them. Truly, I just cannot. First three games for Houston, postponed due to COVID. They beat Tulane last Thursday, finally getting back into play. 476 yards of total offense for the Houston Cougars. Houston Cougars, that's kind of tough to say. Anyway... BYU, I think, regardless, in a shootout, emerges victorious. They cover, they win, and if you're thinking over under 62.5, it begs you to take the over. I would probably lean over that game as well, but my pick for that one for sure, BYU wins and covers five-point favorite over the Houston Cougars. I also have my locked-on lock coming from the group of five, but we'll get to that next segment. You know, it's interesting you bring up, the Houston game against BYU. Zach Wilson has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks this year. High completion percentage. I mean, great throws. Uh, Gunnar Romney has been a huge weapon for him. Uh, he has one of the best yards per route run numbers in the country. He's a guy that I'm looking at. In a shootout, it's hard to go against Dana Holgerson anytime there's a shootout. True. He loves to throw the ball around. But I like you. 
I'm, I'm on team BYU this week, Zach Wilson. I'm not going against the guy. I went against him before. He made me look like an idiot. I won't make the same mistake twice. Here's another game I'm interested in. Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh mm. versus Derek King in Miami, Florida. Uh, my, Miami of Florida. Right. Not of Ohio. The Mac is not back yet either, but soon. Yeah, no action, no Tuesday night action just yet. I'm excited about that. But when we look at this game, 47 and a half over under, 13 and a half point favorites. I think I'm gonna go with with the the Hurricanes to get back on track in this game. Give me the give me the Hurricanes by two touchdowns. By two touchdowns, that would cover the spread. We saw De'Ara King last week looked good with his legs against Clemson, but against one of the best secondaries in all of college football. The question was, can De'Ara King show his ability as a pocket passer? He did not. He did not look very good. One of ten on throws of ten plus yards down the field and had two interceptions on those throws against a good Clemson defense last week. Pitt's defense has also been pretty stout this year, and they've been playing a lot of close games. Last three games decided by five total points. Three games, a five-point scoring margin that sometimes has gone in their favor. The last two have not, losing by one. I think this game keeps it close. I do believe Miami wins, but I, I believe Pitt covers. It could be even 10 points and the Panthers would still cover against the Hurricanes. Another great ACC game you mentioned there, Patrick. When we look at that conference, Boston College and 23rd-ranked Virginia Tech. VT, a 12-point favorite, the over-under total 62. I'm very intrigued by this one because Virginia Tech, who dealt with a lot of COVID-19 issues in the offseason and even the early parts of when they started to play ACC football, continues to get healthier and healthier. But Boston College's only loss a 26-22 game against North Carolina, who's a top-10 team in this country. They almost tied the game late, going for two. UNC picked it off, ran it back. But Phil Jerkovic, Boston College's quarterback, 300-plus yards and five touchdowns total in their last two games for the Eagles. And that defense for the Eagles, run by my man, why am I blanking on his first name, something Halfley, the defensive coordinator from Ohio State a year ago, 14th in scoring defense this year. So they've been getting it done on both sides of the ball. But as Colin Wilson mentioned last week, Khalil Herbert is a bona fide stud. He called him a Heisman contender. I would maybe go as far to say that as well. Even in the loss last week to North Carolina, 138 yards on the ground for Herbert and two touchdowns as well. I think Virginia Tech wins, but I think it's another close game in the ACC. Boston College covers. That was almost my locked on lock of the week until I was looking at a group of five matchup that I talked myself into again, Boston college covers Virginia tech wins in that ACC game. Uh, you know, I think I'm with you. I, th I think that's a Boston college team. That's the really good defensively. So that that's where I'm leaning. I think the defense shows up in this game, makes it a little tougher. I still think Virginia tech will win that game, uh, but I'm leaning towards Boston college to cover. I think that's a good matchup, but coming up next, we're going to get into our, Locked on, lock of the weeks with our final look at the weekend slate. All right, here we go. Now, before we get into our locked on lock of the weeks, there's some games we want to run through real quick. Uh, let's start, you know, let's start where we were at in the last segment. Let's go back to the ACC. I want to talk about this game, Louisville, Notre Dame, 17-point favorites mm -hmm. for the Fighting Irish, 61 and a half is the over-under. I really like Kyrie Williams in this game. I really think that he's going to run the ball down their throat. They've, they've shown the ability to run this football. Uh, my question is, has Louisville learned from their game against Miami where they played socially distant defense? No. Because that's going to be the big question. Ian Book, 
throwing it down the field, you know, getting some of that, build some of that, you know, camaraderie with his wide receivers, building that, getting that trust factor. Uh, I got Notre Dame big time in this game. I, uh, I, I think it's a three touchdown game. I think so as well. And it's mainly because the Cards defense is awful. 55th in opponents points per game this year, 11th out of the 15 teams in the ACC in yards per play. Notre Dame, eighth in the entire country in yards per play. I think Ian Book finds his stride. I think Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree in the backfield for the Fighting Irish do some damage to Louisville this week. Even though it's a big spread, 17 points, I would still lean Notre Dame over Louisville. Another great game in the ACC. Fifth-ranked North Carolina taking on Florida State. Florida State looked okay at times last week. They were able to cover in a big spread against Notre Dame, but not great. UNC a 13-point favorite, the over-under total 64. I'm taking North Carolina because Sam Howell is back. He had zero completions on throws, 20 yards or more down the field before the Virginia Tech game, but against the Hokies, two for two, two touchdowns. The offense is starting to roll for Mac Brown and the heels. I like UNC to win and to cover over Florida State. What do you think? I'm going to go with the fighting Mac Browns in this game. You know, I, I am I'm a fan of Mac Brown. I like what he's doing. Uh, Sam Howell has been a really, really good quarterback this year. Uh, obviously, he's starting to, to figure it out. I was kind of er- worried a little early on. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with my girl, Candace Cooper. Mm. The fighting Tar Heels in this game. Mac Brown leading the way. I think that's a great game. Let's run through some SEC games real quick. Uh Mississippi after is there a letdown going up against the Arkansas Razorbacks in this game after that that long heated battle against uh, Alabama? See, here's the here's the thing when I look at a game like this: mm. is there a potential fallout because of the physicality at which Alabama normally plays? You know, taking its toll on a on a team like Ole Miss, can Lane Kiffin keep it going against Arkansas? They are a one and a half point favorite according to BetMGM. So, I mean, I, it's hard for me not to go with Ole Miss, but I, I just wonder about that fallout after Alabama. Right. Arkansas had a great first half against Georgia, and then they came kind of back down to earth, and people said, okay, maybe they're not what they need to be. I think Sam Pittman has the Hogs playing well. They got their first SEC win two weeks ago, and then last week they probably should have beat Auburn if not for that fluky play that Bo Nix spiked it, but it really should have been a fumble in that game against the Tigers. I think that game is close. I just lean more to the offensive Lane Kiffin. He's got Matt Corral really tuning it there. For the Rebels, I think Ole Miss probably wins, but I think it's a close game. I think they might win by one score, but I think it's enough to cover that small spread. Another game that I like, Auburn, we just talked about, 15th rank, taking on South Carolina. The Tigers, a three-point favorite, the over-under total, 51.5. As I mentioned, that fluky spike that should have been a fumble for Bo Nix and the Tigers. Auburn might should be 1-2, and two in my opinion, and Bo Nix has struggled. Last in the SEC in completion percentage, 12th in QBR. South Carolina has suffered two close losses. They got their first win last week. I like what they're doing. I think they do enough in this game to win and pull the upset. I can't believe I'm saying that, but give me the Gamecocks. Give me Will Muschamp. Give me South Carolina as they host Auburn on Saturday. Another great game. I want your thoughts on the Pirate. We'll get to that. But Kentucky and Tennessee, the 18th-ranked balls, host the Wildcats from Kentucky. Tennessee, a six-point favorite. The over-under total, a small number, only 46. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the young quarterback plays in this game. I, I mean, I think this is a, a tougher matchup in, in years past. I know Tennessee has been down over the years. Kentucky has been down over the years. But it's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. But uh, give me Tennessee to cover in this game. Yeah. 
by seven because of the play of their young quarterback. I think that he does enough in this game. I really like the way that Jeremy Pruitt has got this team built and how they're moving forward. And, you know, I think it, I think the trajectory is up for the volunteers in the SEC. I would agree with that. I think Tennessee, although they didn't look great in the second half against Georgia last week, they have shown flashes. They can be a successful SEC football team this year. I think it's a closer game. It might only be a one touchdown score, but Tennessee wins and covers. What do you like in the game against Mississippi State? We had Colin Wilson saying he's riding with Mike Leach and the dogs, you know, Hail State as we get ready for this game on Saturday. I lean the other way. I hate that I lean the other way, but I think AM will be able to do what they do. Fresh off the upset of Florida, the offense looked great, which has been the big question mark for Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mond this year. 12 of 15 on third downs last week against the Gators, 41 points, 543 total yards, and Kellen Mond looked like he was finding his stride. I still think Texas AM does enough. They are a six point favorite on the road visiting Starkville over under 54. I don't like that I like Texas AM because it would be the most Mike Leach thing ever to win this game, but I got to lean with AM in this one to cover and to win. Give me the Pirates okay. in this game. Let me give you a couple of reasons why. KJ Costello versus Kellen Mond. I believe in Costello more than I do in Kellen Mond. He's the most – I'm not going to say – he's the most inconsistent quarterback. Kellen Mond? Uh, and that's – yeah, I believe the inconsistencies with that quarterback. AJ Costello has thrown nine he... picks this year, Patrick. You want to talk about inconsistency. Nine interceptions. Yes. In three games. Yes. Yes. But I don't believe in Kellen Mond. Okay. I never will believe in Kellen Mond. Fair enough. And I don't believe in Jimbo Fisher. Mm. Let me just say that. Most overpaid coach in college football right now. Maybe next to Tom Herman. But we're not we'll get into that later. Yeah. But here's that's my thing. Like and, and this is a thing that Mike Leach, he has these games. Mm -hmm. We've seen it year in, year out. A game you don't think he's gonna win. Let me just say this, the Mississippi State fan base, the team, they're going to rally around their fallen hero and Dak Prescott, who wow. is gone for the season. They're going to, it's a rallying tie. They're going to win this for Dak. What a so tie that is. Pirate. Wow. What a, give it, give it a to relate it back to Dak Prescott, former Mississippi State great quarterback, but now the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, of course, we wish him the best in his recovery from a compound fracture in his ankle. But to think that's why Mike Leach and company pull off another upset against Texas A&M this week, that's an analysis you won't hear other than on the Friday edition of the Locked On College Football Podcast. It's also the most 2020 thing ever. Maybe so. All right, let's quickly get into Alabama and Georgia. Colin Wilson broke that down probably better than we can, but let's make our pick here between the Tide and the Dogs. Who do you like in the marquee matchup of the day, two versus three, Saturday night on CBS? I am going to go with the Alabama Crimson Tide in this football game, and I'm going to tell you why. Does anybody have an answer for Jalen Waddle and Mac Jones down the field? That's my question. Mm. I think that's the matchup uh, that, that you're going to want to watch in this one. You know, the when you look at Georgia, they're really good defensively, but can they do enough to slow down that offense? And, and that's where it's at. Uh, Najee Harris, you know, we talked about Jalen Waddle. Yep. Mac Jones has looked really good this year throwing the football down. I mean, I think he's starting to make a name for himself in the NFL draft community. So that's why I'm going uh, – I'm going to roll tide on this one. Bama's defense last week, historically bad. A program worst given up in a single game, 647 total yards against Ole Miss. But their defense might be on track to be – or their offense, rather, might be on track to be historically good. First in points per game, first in points per play, first in yards per play in the entire country. UGA's defense, also very good. Second in yards per play in the entire country. But I think Bama's offense – 
with Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, they win in what will be a higher scoring game. I agree with Colin's assertion that the over is the most likely of that's 56 and a half point total. I think Bama wins, Bama covers. I just can't see them losing in this game. I just can't see it happen. Even if Nick Saban is not on the sideline and we wish him the best in his recovery, apparently he's feeling pretty good. He's been asymptomatic of COVID-19 right now, but he's 21-0 against his former assistants. Kirby Smart, a former Nick Saban assistant. If he doesn't coach on the sideline, does this count for the record, though? I believe it does. Okay. He's still the coach of record. Fair enough. I, I would uh, add it, too. Let's go ahead and jump into our Locked On Lock of the Week. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take this one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to circle back to a game we talked about already. Okay. BYU, Houston. I already said Zach Wilson. Minus five on this one. That's my Locked On Lock of the Week. Give me the Cougars. Zach Wilson's going to find Gunnar Romney, uh, and, and they're going to have fun on this one in the shootout. But, yeah, I, I got – I got them by seven. You went group of five on a Friday night for your locked on lock of the week. I will do the exact same. The game prior to BYU in Houston is 17th ranked SMU taken on Tulane. Stangs, a six and a half point road favorite. The over under total 64. It's going to be another high scoring affair. SMU eighth in the country in points per game. Tulane 18th. Shane Bouchelle is having a great start to the year. SMU is 4-0 for a reason. Tulane 0-2 in the American. I think that shows off on Friday night on tonight. As I was doing the research for this, it quickly became my locked on lock of the week. Another name to know, Patrick. Ulysses Bentley the fourth. SMU's running back, 8.4 yards per carry, seven rushing touchdowns this season. One of the greatest names in all of college football, SMU over two lanes, six and a half point favorites, my locked on lock of the week. All right, that's where that's where we're at. And I'm with you on Shane B. Shell, but that's going to do it for this Locked On College Football Podcast. Make sure you go to our network and check out all the great shows, your team every day. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next week.